0: So we're going to talk tonight about uh, your personal relationship with God. That's what I'm going to be speaking about, your personal relationship with God. And we're going to go through Psalm 51 uh, throughout the lesson tonight just to talk about the fact that everything truly is founded upon a personal relationship with God. Uh, If you are facing something, I want to encourage you to focus in on your personal relationship with God. If you've got a trial, if you've got a crisis, if you're facing an urgent situation, you're going to find the answers that you need. You're going to find the strength that you need in fortifying your personal relationship with God. If that is suffering and if that is lacking, then everything else in your world is going to be off balance because it is going to be your connection to God and only your connection to God that gives you the insight you need, the wisdom you need, the strength that you need. How many know that it's connection to God that's going to give you the strength that you need? How many need strength tonight? Strength is something we need and we need it We need it every day. We need strength. Well, the Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so it is going to be our connection to God that gives us the thing that we need to make it through our trial, to make it through the day. So we want to talk about your personal relationship with God. Now, Psalm 51 is a powerful psalm, and it is a a poignant psalm. It has to do with this Great psalmist David, a man after God's own heart. But the unique thing about this psalm is its proximity to the greatest mistake of his life and and perhaps the greatest transgression of his life. David's transgression was egregious that he committed and it took place prior to this psalm that he wrote. And this psalm was in response to him realizing that he, in fact, was in danger of the judgment of God. Just quickly, what he had done as a transgression was that he had, uh, he had looked upon Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. He should have been at battle. He should have been engaged in the battle. If you're here tonight, I want to encourage you, get engaged in the battle We are at war against the enemy of our soul. Get engaged in the work of the Lord. When you're not engaged in the work of the Lord, there's going to be a lot of idle time on your hands and a lot of idle time in your mind. And as as we know, the idle mind is the devil's workshop. That's not scripture, but that's true. (laughs) The idle mind is where the devil likes to camp out and do his work. So you want to be engaged in the battle. David was not engaged in the battle. David had idle time on his his, uh, agenda. And he looked upon Bathsheba and he desired her and he arranged for her to be with him. It was a terrible sin of adultery. And then, of course, he learned that she was with child. And then he arranged for Uriah, her husband, who was someone that trusted David. He arranged for David or Uriah to be... Uh, to be at the forefront of the battle for the express purpose of him being slain in battle. And and Uriah ended up uh, dying. And David was guilty of his death and he was guilty of adultery. And this was a terrible, terrible thing. David had ventured so far from his personal relationship with God that he participated in Egregious acts that that you would never dream somebody the likes of David would ever participate in. And yet, here he was. He was going along his merry way thinking that he had gotten away with it, and really not. He had become so far from God, he really never uh, believed that he was doing anything wrong. He was the king. Everybody treated him like the king. And he was basically accountable to nobody and did what he wanted to do. And when you start to live in that frame of mind where you don't believe you're accountable to anybody and you believe that your relationship with God doesn't matter, you're going to do things you never dreamed you would do. And David was there, committed these terrible sins, and it took the prophet Nathan to come to him. And the prophet Nathan spoke to him in a way that David could understand. He described a scenario, a hypothetical scenario, where a man had one lamb uh, versus a man who had many lambs, and the man who had many lambs looked upon the man who had one lamb and took it by force from him, And, and this terrible injustice and abuse of power, it resonated with David, And when David heard this described, his response was understandably full of indignation. And he said, you tell me who this man was. I'm going to right this wrong. I'm going to make sure that they pay for what they did. That's terrible. And then when Nathan pointed his finger in David's face and said famously, thou art the man. That's old English for you the man. And it wasn't a compliment. He was letting him know, I'm talking about you. You did this. And, and so David is now faced with this reality that he is guilty of, of this terrible sin. Perhaps if Nathan had just come in with his finger of accusation pointing at him, David would have just defended himself. But when the word of God came forth from that prophet, It came forth in a way that David could see his own sin. And that's the goal of the Word of God. The Word of God is designed to prick the heart of mankind. This is what happened on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached Jesus crucified and risen from the dead. The Bible says when the people heard this, they were pricked in their heart. The Word of God, according to Hebrews 4 and 12, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Now I want you to hear that. It is so quick, it is so powerful, and it is so sharp that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it is intended to divide between the soul and the spirit. That's interesting because you and I, good luck trying to divide or discern between the soul and the spirit. If I went around this room and handed this microphone from person to person and said, tell me the difference between the soul and the spirit, it would be an interesting collection of explanations. The fact of the matter is both the soul and the spirit are invisible. Both the soul and the spirit have to do with the conscience and the mind and the will and the heart of man. But one has a pure connection to God and the other is derived from the heart of man. And so when the soul and the spirit begin to communicate, you have a hard time di- 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 discerning between what is your conscience and what is your human will. What is God actually trying to speak to your inner man, and what is your inner man trying to convince itself of? How many have ever been there before where you said, I don't know if this is me or this is God? Anybody ever been there where you say, I can't tell if it's me or God? You're describing the conflict between soul and spirit. I can't tell whether this is God speaking to me or if this is myself trying to guide my own affairs. If this is my conscience which God gave me as a means by which to receive from him or if this is my spirit that is conflicted and trying to misguide me and mislead me. Well, the word of God is the dividing factor that divides between soul and spirit. Those invisible qualities within one person. And the word of God is the arbiter, is the referee. So if you're having trouble deciding whether it's you or God, you go to the Word. And the Word will tell you what is you and what is God. And what the Word says is so. It is finished. It is written. It is the fact. It is the truth. And so the prophet Nathan comes in with the word and the word was a rhema word. It was a right now word and it spoke to David in a way that David would receive it. And that's the goal of preaching. That's the goal of teaching. That's the goal of delivering the word of God. We want the word of God to be sharp so that it'll prick the heart of the individual and it'll make them ask the question, am I right with God? What shall I do? That is, is the question Nathan asked or, or that, that Nathan posed, the, the, the declaration rather, thou art the man. David's response to it is Psalm 51. When he realized that he was a sinner, that he had transgressed, that he had walked away from God and done an egregious act of sin. Psalm 51 is the response. And, and the Bible says that he lost the child and the, the Lord took the child that Bathsheba was carrying. And so David is now humbled. David is now in a position of openness to God. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that when you're in a position like that where you know that you have angered God and that the Lord is, is, is in total disapproval of your actions and your behavior, it will humble you. And, and that's a, actually a very safe place to be. Because when you are humble, you will find favor with God. When the Bible says God resisteth the proud but giveth grace to the humble, it means that God is going to be your adversary if you are proud. But if you are humble, God will give you favor. That grace is favor. So you never go wrong with humility. You never go wrong with humility. Uh, I don't want to jump to Super Bowl Sunday, but I kind of wish the city of Cincinnati and the Bengals would have had a little humility before last Sunday. It goes a long way when we're humble, and it incurs favor. It incurs favor from God, and it incurs favor from man when we're genuinely humble before the Lord. David was humble in Psalm 51, and it saved his life. And I want to read to you some of the things that he said, and I want to point out a few things that I think are important to note. He said, Have mercy upon me, everybody say me. me. Oh God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me, everybody say me, me. thoroughly from mine iniquity, cleanse me. From my, my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, the only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified. When you speak in clear, when you judge, behold, I was shaped in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. What a statement that is. You desire truth in the inward parts. God doesn't just desire truth from our lips. There is a spiritual condition that the prophet Isaiah described as being the case when a person praises God with their lips, but their heart is far from him. And the scripture said, I'm not interested in just truth on your lips. I want truth in the inward parts where nobody can see where nobody knows I want truth in your thoughts I want truth in your motives I want truth in your plans I want truth in your intentions David said you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you shall make me everybody say me to know wisdom purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean wash me and I I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins. Blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy way and sinners shall be converted unto thee deliver me from blood guiltiness O god thou god of my salvation my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness O lord upon open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise for thou desirest not sacrifice else would i give it thou delightest not in burnt offerings the sacrifices are you ready the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O oh God. Thou will not despise. Hallelujah. I want you to know something, ladies and gentlemen. Anytime you are in any way fearful or anxious or fretting or worried, this is what God accepts, a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. You just fall down in his presence and be humble before him and you will find the everlasting joy of God is as close as that brokenness. Oh, praise God. Throughout this psalm, David makes it clear. God, it's about me. I'm not blaming anybody, but anybody else, it's me. It's me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Take not the Holy Spirit from me. You've got to come to a place in God where you understand that it is personal between you and the Lord. You, you, stop pointing fingers at other people. Don't think about people around you. You have to get you right with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I need you, I need you. Yeah, but they're the they're the issue. I'm not worried about them. I, 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 need, I need to be right with you. It's amazing what will happen when, when I become centered in my relationship with God. It's amazing how other things start to come into order in my life. When I become personally centered in my relationship with the Lord. It has to be something that begins in us our personal relationship with God. I want to challenge you to just go about your day praising the Lord and thanking the Lord and having a personal relationship with God. Open your day thanking Him and giving Him praise. And and, and hear what I'm telling you. I want you, to, I want you to understand that this relationship that you have with God is not something that is, is not something that is, uh, uh, it's not something that that is uh, to be taken for granted. This personal relationship with God is going to give you the strength that you need for every circumstance that you face, and it has to start with you. You have to understand your personal relationship with God, and you're not going to know who you are until you have a personal relationship with God. The Scripture refers to the Word of God as a mirror. James said it this way. He said that, uh, that, that when I behold the word of God, it's like beholding myself in a glass. And I look in the mirror and I see, I see me when I look into the mirror. And so when I look into the mirror, I, I'm, I'm looking at who Joel ought to be. Did you know that when you read, get you a Bible that has red letters. When you read these red letters, you're looking at, How you're supposed to be talking. Those are supposed to be your words. If you're not saying what these red letters are saying, then you're not talking right. If you're not thinking the way these red letters are thinking, you're not thinking right. Jesus is a picture of who you and I are supposed to be. He is not a second person in some uh, formulaic Godhead. He is not some second entity or some other. There is none beside the Lord our God. He alone is God. And there is none other. So when we call Jesus the only begotten Son of God, that is the everlasting Father who became the Son of God. And the reason He became the Son of God is because you and I don't know what a Son of God is anymore We are so distanced from that personal relationship with God. But when you step back into a personal relationship with God, you start to reconnect, if you please, with who you were always supposed to be. You were always supposed to be a child of God, a son of God. When Nebuchadnezzar looked down into that fire and saw a fourth man in that fire, he said, why is there a fourth man in the fire? Didn't we throw three? Why then do I see a fourth man in the fire? And why does he look like the Son of God? He wasn't saying, why does he look like Jesus? He didn't know who Jesus was. He was saying, why does he look like the Son of God? Because the Son of God is the only one who would have authority and dominion over fire. That's who God is making us to be. That's who he always intended us to be, a son of God who has dominion over the things that could normally injure a normal person. We are to be able to walk with God in such a way that the Lord gives us power. So I don't want to hear anybody say, I'm only human. You're not only human. Yeah, you're human, but if you've got the Holy Ghost, you're a human with the Holy Ghost, and that makes a difference. Don't say I'm only human. If you're a human that knows how to pray, that makes a difference. If you're a human that knows how to worship, that makes a difference. If you're a human that's been redeemed by the blood of the lamb, that makes a difference. No, I'm not subject to the same things as I once was because I'm a new man in Christ Jesus. And it's that personal relationship that reconvenes that communion with God praise the lord and it's coming into a knowledge of him that gives you a knowledge of you and so the whole world is trying to understand who they are i'm trying to reconnect with my inner man my inner self i'm trying to understand who i am i'm trying to figure out my purpose you i'm going to tell you if that's what you want to figure out then you need to get to know jesus and have a personal relationship with him because that's where you're going to learn who you are when you learn who Jesus is. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12 says this, Therefore, all things, whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, this is the Sermon on the Mount And we call what I just read the golden rule. Now if I were to ask you what the golden rule is, you'd say, the golden rule is to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's what this scripture is saying, and this is where we get the golden rule. Whatsoever you would want men to do unto you, do that unto them. And and this cannot happen properly without a right relationship with God. Because it is a right relationship with God that helps you to understand who you are and what your needs are and what your frailties are and what your your shortcomings are. And that's when you can truly look at someone and put yourself in their shoes. Don't you know that's what God did when he came to the earth? He put himself in our shoes. He walked this earth as a man. And the scripture says, we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. In other words, God knows all about our troubles. And he will answer till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. He understands our troubles. He understands what we feel. He understands what we're concerned about. And and that's because he put himself in our shoes. We are able to do the same for others when we have a right relationship with God. Knowing who he is helps us to know who we are. And that daily walk, that daily communion, that daily connection puts us into the right frame of mind as to who I am and who he made me to be. And I am, I am, I am a child of God. I am righteous. Don't you know that's where righteousness comes from? Righteousness doesn't come from me standing up here and, and beating everybody up over the head you better be righteous or else no that's not where righteousness comes from righteousness comes from you becoming so connected to his righteousness that his righteousness just envelops you hallelujah and if your righteousness comes any other way then you've basically got the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees and Jesus said except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees you, you don't have any part with God. Your righteousness has to exceed theirs. And, and it can only come from your relationship with God. Hallelujah. Just a constant looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus. What am I doing when i 'm praying and reading the word i 'm looking to jesus i 'm memorizing jesus i 'm understanding Jesus I, all of a sudden turning the cheek becomes an easier thing for me to do because I, I see Jesus do it and, and I begin to he begins to convict me and help me understand who I am and me starting to love without uh, dissimulation or without hypocrisy or without uh, an agenda now all of a sudden i 'm able to do that because I'm looking at Jesus and his righteousness is coming into me. It's a personal relationship with God. Hallelujah. A personal relationship with God. And it comes from you knowing him. And by virtue of knowing him, now you understand who you are. Now you can do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Galatians chapter 6. All right. This understanding of who you are. Is very important Galatians chapter 6 and the world's trying to do that but they keep canceling Jesus and you can't cancel Jesus and know who you are at the same time so so it's a it's a it's a a, a fool's errand to try to understand who you are if you are not captured and enraptured by Jesus praise God Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 listen to this Uh, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, cancel him. Wait a minute. No, wait a minute. That's not what that says. Hold on. Let me read this again. I don't have my glasses on. You'll have to pardon me. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I don't believe in this business of saying, now I'm not the most spiritual one here. I don't believe in that. We better all be spiritual. That's good. That's good. No, we don't need to be getting into this downplaying how spiritual we are or aren't. And somebody said, well, I don't want to be so heavenly minded. I'm no earthly good. That's impossible. You can't be, if you're, listen, if you truly are heavenly minded, you will be all about earthly good. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. It's in that order. Yes, yes, yes. You're no know, good on earth unless you are giving glory to God in the highest. And so, so you can't be so heavenly minded, you know, no earthly. I know what they mean. They mean somebody whose head is up in the clouds all day long. They don't have time for anybody else. I don't know what clouds your head is in, but it's not the glory cloud if you're above everybody and superior to everybody and everybody's beneath you, you're not in the glory cloud. You're in some cloudy fog, but it's not that one. And and if you are in the presence of God, God will quicken to your mind things you can do to bless people. He's all about coming to seek and to save that which was lost. So listen, there's an admonition for us to be spiritual, and the apostle says, you which are spiritual, listen, I want to I be a part of that number. Not so people can say it of me, but so I can be of help. Yeah, yeah. And too many times we have people who are not spiritual taking on the task of somebody who their only qualification can be that they are spiritual. So if you are not spiritual, spiritually minded, and here's the difference, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace, and so if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual restore such an one. carnal people can't restore people take overtaken in a fault they can't do it they'll go they'll go right into the same fault he was in that's like the the preacher that was preaching and this happened I know the preacher had happened to, and the preacher was preaching and and the the, the Man came down the aisle intoxicated and uh, they, he was causing a big commotion and they needed to take him out. And one of the men said, I'll take him out and grabbed him and took him out. And, and uh, 30 minutes later, they both came down intoxicated. That didn't work out so good because the, the man was not spiritual enough to restore such an one. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual restore such an one and here's how you do it in the spirit of meekness now I I don't I don't this should go without saying at the tree of life church but I'm gonna say it because it needs to be said meekness is not weakness meekness is one of the greatest strengths you'll ever possess and here's why because when you are Meek, he is strong. Standing still doesn't mean nothing's happening. Standing still gives God the opportunity to move. Meekness is not a weakness, and we restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. And those that are spiritual understand the spirit of meekness. And here's how you do it. I told you it's important to be able to know who you are and to understand yourself. And that can only come from a personal relationship with God. Here it is. In the spirit of meekness, considering thyself. Lest thou also be tempted. How do you help somebody? You put yourself in their shoes. I'm going to tell you, that stops you from being judgmental that stops you from being critical and self-righteous and holier-than-thou. When you, when you truly understand that you are weak, but he is strong, that you are nothing, but he is everything, that, that you're, there's no confidence to be placed in the flesh, but you can put all confidence in God. With men, things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. When you understand those things, you can truly look at somebody and understand where they're coming from because you put yourself in their shoes. And you say, there but for the grace of God go you and I. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. We're not better than anybody. You know why God is no respecter of persons? Because nobody's better than anybody. We're all made from the same clay and we're all made in the same image, and the only distinguishing factor is the grace and power of Almighty God. <laughs> Hallelujah. If a man be overtaken in a fault, you which your spiritual, restore such in one in the spirit of meekness. And here's how you do it. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And and that considering of yourself, that doesn't just have to do with putting yourself in the shoes, that also has to do with guarding yourself as you're restoring such an one, lest you also be tempted. That's an understanding of who you are again and having a personal relationship with God. Bear ye one another's burdens. When you bear one another's burdens, you fulfill the law of Christ. It took me a long time to understand a particular dynamic. I would walk into service and I would feel tired. And and I, I, every message I've preached so far, I've talked about those comfortable, cushy seats. And so I'm, I, I don't want to belabor that, but I don't want you falling asleep either at the same time. I want to I make sure that we are on, our, on our, the edge of our seat. But when I... Would come in, I'd feel tired. And I'd think, why do I feel so tired? And it took me a while to understand I was feeling what the people were feeling. And then there were times I would come in and I'd feel down. And I wouldn't, there'd be no reason for me to feel down. But I would feel down, and it took me a long time to realize I was feeling what somebody else was feeling. And and there were times where I'd feel anxious and worried, and I didn't know why. I couldn't, I I literally had to stop and think, well, what are the thoughts that are 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 galvanizing this feeling and, and it, it took me a while to understand I was feeling what other people were feeling and that's how the spirit of the Lord will work the spirit of the Lord will make you aware of the needs around you when you feel friendless it's because there's somebody around you who needs a friend when you feel hopeless it's because somebody around you needs hope when you feel helpless it's because somebody around you needs help Be sensitive to what people need. This comes from a personal relationship with God. Hallelujah. Uh, I want to read to you uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 13. uh, Just a a few verses of scripture here. Uh, Actually one verse of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to read one verse of scripture. Verse 5. And it, it says this. It says examine yourselves. It doesn't say examine everybody else. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you? Except ye be reprobates. But I trust that you shall know that we are not reprobates. Examine yourselves. Do some introspection. Check your spirit. That happens in prayer. Hallelujah that happens in prayer I'll never forget the day that I prayed and said uh, you know I had seen people call themselves Jesus followers and this was several years ago and I I didn't know how I felt about that I felt like that was a little vague a little evasive like they didn't want to attach themselves to a particular doctrinal position so they just generalized it and said Jesus followers and might have been a little self-righteous in that but I was kind of feeling that way and, and uh One day in prayer, the Lord just asked me, are you a Jesus follower? And I thought, well, I thought I was until you asked me if I was. And now I'm starting to wonder if I am. But it was, are you a Jesus follower? And and he said, if so, where are you? Because I'll tell you where I am. And he gave me an exact location of a need that he was ministering to at that moment. And I realized in that moment that I had created a scenario where God was following me and I wasn't following God. I was getting up and telling God what my day was going to consist of. I was giving him my agenda saying, all right, keep up if you can, God. I got a lot of work to do today. Instead of getting up and saying, lead me, Lord, and I will follow. Guide my steps, order my steps, and help me. Show me where to go. Show me who to talk to. Show me what to pray. Let your word minister to me. And and when you will let God do that and you'll examine yourselves, you will draw closer to him and it will clarify you. It will clarify your purpose. It will clarify your world. And you will be more sensitive to the needs around you, not by by looking out without self introspection but because of introspection you will see the needs of others Ephesians chapter 5 and I want to begin at the 19th verse of Ephesians Ephesians uh, chapter 5 and I love this passage of scripture some of the greatest scriptures you'll ever read Ephesians 5 speaking to whom to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Speaking to yourselves. If you don't have a preacher, preach to yourself. If you can't get to church for worship, and and, and maybe it's Tuesday afternoon and there's no worship team on the platform, sing to yourself. Maybe it's Thursday night, not Wednesday night or Sunday morning. Preach to yourself. Speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns. And spiritual songs, and let me tell you what those psalms are. Those psalms are of the psalms. They're not just any old song. They're not just some little uh, crooner that you like. No, it's the psalms of the prophets, the Book of Psalms, and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. This is one of the best things you could ever do because you're connecting with God when you do it. I remember the first time that I ever encountered Bluetooth technology. Bluetooth technology was new and I didn't know what it was. And I remember sitting in an airport at the gate getting ready to board my plane and there was an individual, he came walking over and he was talking to me. And it was like mid-sentence. And I, I, it kind of took me off guard because I, I didn't know what precipitated this statement or whatever. I was trying to catch up like, oh, were we talking? I didn't know we were talking. And, and so I, I listened and I, and I was just about ready to respond. And then he switched gears and talked about something else. And I thought, man, I, I'm, I'm confused. I, oh, I know what it is. I know what it is. I know what it is. He's crazy. I get it. I get it. <laughs> okay, he's crazy. I mean, he looks together, but he's crazy. And, and so then, and then he turned his head, and I saw there was a little something or other in his ear. later found out it was a little earpiece that gave him the ability to talk to people who were not there. And I'm going to tell you something. When you're speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord, some folks are going to think you're crazy. But you just tell them, I'm connected to somebody that you don't see. But I'm connected. Hallelujah. I have a personal relationship with God. And you maintain that and you strengthen that and make melody in your heart to the Lord. And the Scripture says... If you'll do that, giving thanks always for all things. My, that is all-encompassing. Giving thanks always for all things. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now I know, doesn't doesn't Ephesians 5.21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, doesn't that sound just dandy? Wouldn't that be nice? Well, you cannot get to Ephesians 5.21 without climbing through and exercising and applying Ephesians 5.19 and Ephesians 5.20. You can't get to the point where you submit to one another in the fear of God. And you know why we submit to one another? We do so because we fear God. We submit to one another in the fear of God and you will never be able to arrive at that spiritual maturity until you are regularly speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. And and that precipitates and, and, and comes before Giving thanks always for all things. How in the world am I supposed to give thanks always for all things? The scripture says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Do you know how many times I hear people ask the question, I just just don't know what the will of God is. What do you think the will of God is? I'll tell you what the will of God is. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know why? Why? Because when you start giving thanks, your mind is relieved of all of the junk preventing you from understanding the direction of the Holy Ghost. And so so when you start to speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs making melody in your heart to the Lord, now you're going to be in a position, in a frame of mind, to give thanks always for all things. Ever met somebody in the church? You greet them and you say, how are you doing? God is good. God is good. God's been good to me. Everything going all right? Mm, I can't complain. Why? They're giving thanks always. They're not being fake. They're not being hypocritical. They're not being fake. They're giving thanks always for all things. And when you begin to live that kind of a life, it becomes not your second nature. It becomes your nature to submit to one another in the fear of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know what? I want to fill this house with praise. But I'm not going to get up here and, and beg you to praise. I'm going to get up here and talk to you about having a personal relationship with God. Because when you have a personal relationship with God, the praise becomes your nature I want this place to be filled with love for one another but I'm not going to get up here and browbeat you you better love one another I want everybody to be kind to each other but I'm not going to go you better be kind or God will open up the windows of heaven pour fire and brimstone on you that's not how it works. You have a personal relationship with God and you become kind. You have a personal relationship with God and you start praising. You have a personal relationship with God. Hey, listen to this. I want us to win souls. I want us I want us to have I want us to fill this house to overflowing. I want us to fill Finney Town to overflowing. I want us to fill this city with the glory of God. But it's not gonna, it's not gonna happen by us just begging. It's gonna happen from a personal relationship with God. Don't wait, don't wait until all of your life comes crashing down to get where David got, where he started saying, cleanse me, purge me, wash me thoroughly. He should have been doing that before the sin was ever committed, and the sin wouldn't have been committed. This isn't what you do just after you sin. This ought to be your prayer every day. day. Cleanse me. Create in me a clean heart. Oh, God, I acknowledge my transgression before you. Oh, I don't have any transgressions. Uh Uh-oh. I just found out who I'm talking to. Yeah, you do. We all have sin that needs to be submitted to God. Iniquity. If you don't know what it is, the scripture says, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Everybody who has secret faults, could you? I don't. I, just go ahead and raise your hands. I'm closing my eyes. Secret faults. You can be confident that you do, and you need to understand that so that you can understand others that they also have secret faults and they don't even know they have them. And it'll give you the ability to forbear them in love, and it'll give you the ability to forgive them when they trespass against you. Praise God. I want to have a personal relationship with the Lord. Let's lift up our hands unto him and give him praise tonight. Come on, let's give him praise tonight. I want to have a personal relationship with God. I love shouting and worshiping, but I'm going to taste the shouting and worshiping does not mean anything if we don't have a personal relationship with God. Shouting and singing and dancing and worshiping is a part of our personal relationship. Evangelizing the lost, that's a part of our personal relationship. God forbid that we should gain the whole world and lose our own soul. God forbid that we should that we should win one and, and our own soul. We become a castaway. God forbid this. We need to have a personal walk with God, a daily communion with God, a personal relationship with the Lord. All across this house, let's lift up our hands and voices unto God and let's take some time to get into his presence in Jesus' name. Lord God, I want to be, I want to be a husband that's full of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I want to be a father that's full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it in the name of Jesus. Let the Lord, let the Lord minister to you right now. Let the Lord minister to you right now. Let the Lord minister to you right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor Rubio, I'm believing revival in Arbol David in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Glory to God. It's going to happen when we all have personal relationships with God. Hallelujah. I want to be right with God. I want to be one with God. I want to be one with my brother and sister. Oh, hallelujah. I wonder if we can begin to... Call upon the Lord and say, God, forgive me of my sins, forgive me of my trespasses, forgive me of my transgressions, forgive me of my iniquities. Wash me, Lord, of any impure thought, wash me, Lord, of unclean ideas and thoughts and motives. Cleanse me, Lord, from human agenda and let me be holy, oh God, as you are holy, and let me be righteous as you are righteous. Come on, let's lift up our hands and our voices unto God. We're going to take a few minutes right now. These altars are open for you to come and say, Lord, I want to be right with you. Lord, I want to walk with you in the name of Jesus. I want to walk with you in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. Let God put integrity in your heart. Let God put integrity in your heart in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You and your spirit shall restore those who are overtaken in a fault. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Examine yourselves. Know that, that Jesus Christ is in you. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. We're going to give it all to God right now. Come on, we're going to give it all to God right now. I know it's in the middle of the week, but I wonder if we could take a moment right now in the name of Jesus and say, God, I want every unclean thing in me. I want every impure thing there you do.
1: No <laughs> there is nothing oh, beside <laughs> you. Open up.
0: believe that there are some feelings that we have that we don't know how to control them and I want us to give those feelings to God and I want us to say God I don't know what to do with these feelings and I want to I give you a prayer I'm going to put this in your hand tonight as a tool I want you to learn how to pray this prayer I want you to say Lord I don't even know how to feel how I should feel I feel multiple ways about whatever it is Holy Ghost is ministering right now. This is the tool I want to put in your hands. Lord, help me feel the way you want me to feel. God, help my feelings right now. Help me to feel how you want me to feel. You're trying to control feelings and that's a that's that's a Herculean task if you please. That's a That's a tall order and your flesh can't do it. You can't control your feelings. can control reaction you can't control feelings you got to give those feelings to God and say God I don't know how to feel about it could you please help me to feel how I should feel God I need you to get into my mind I need you to get into my heart I need you to get in my spirit I need you to help me feel the way I should feel not the way everybody tells me I should feel I need you to help help me feel God am I supposed to be patient and help me to be patient I supposed to be kind and then help me to be kind Lord how am I supposed to feel God am I supposed to am I supposed to be concerned and then help me be concerned in a holy way in a wise way help me feel how I should feel help me feel how I should feel come on you gotta lose yourself you got to lose yourself to find yourself. You've got to lose yourself. You've got to lose your life to gain your life. He that loves his life is going to lose it. He that hates his life is going to find it. You've got to give it up to God today and have a right relationship with him. Let's lift up a praise unto God. to leave with this action item okay I want us all to do this when we go tonight just make it a part of our communion with God I want us to pray about everything okay pray about everything you say well there's just some things you don't have to pray about yeah no pray about everything be careful for nothing meaning don't worry about anything pray about everything here's the trap we fall into We have something in our mind for so long because we worry about it and because it's been in our mind for so long we think we've prayed about it and we haven't, we've only worried about it. And it's time to pray about it and not worry about it. Pray about it and not worry about it. And I want us to pray about everything and when the prayer is answered give Him praise. Has answered. Give him praise. Give him praise. Let's do it now. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes, As you go tonight, find somebody and greet them. Shake their hand, hug their neck. A fist bump. Tell them you love them. God bless you in Jesus' name. We'll see you. Family prayer 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning, 11 a.m. We're going to have a good time this weekend in the Holy
1: Ghost. God bless you. In Jesus'